So today's guest, listen to this, has over 30 years of expertise and experience solving problems and making money for radio and TV broadcasters. Now listen, managers, sales executives, and their local advertisers. It's actually more than that because he's done newspapers, done it. Well, I'm going to let him share that, okay? Uh, working for both public and private broadcasting, newspaper, media, uh, and advertising industry of all different kinds. Our guest, his name is Mark, has deep expertise in selling, and we get an opportunity to probe and ask a few questions, which is always good for us on our podcast. That's an ideal person for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready to enjoy any of our episodes? Listen to what you need. You only need to be interested in others, want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm from Rainmaker Pathway. If you're in radio today, you're likely doing more than one or more than two jobs even. You need something that's extra to help you. We're not consultants. We are a multiplier that works with local radio to help people just like you grow more value for their time and their efforts. We do this every day. We uh, we do work on both sides of the business, increasing the value that you get from having us on your team. Do you want to grow your revenue? Are you positioned to collect the most revenue in your market? How can we help programming and sales strategy and creating a work culture that grows revenue and value? The great sports teams, they have excellent offense and excellent defense. It takes both to be a consistent winner. Our first consultation is free and we're market exclusive for radio. Tell us your problems. We're listening. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Listen, we're only about a minute, maybe less, from talking Mark Levy, he is the, he, I, I want to make sure I say this right, CRME, President, Revenue Development Resources. That sounds like uh, you could really get something from that person, right? You wait and see. See our full guest calendar all the way into, I think we're starting to book May 2023 right now. We do book these ahead of time. So it gives us kind of a lead on doing our research. And of course, you can find out anytime who's coming to the show just by going to the free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do. So go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. Mark, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? Lloyd, I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a while. You know, people don't often know that we book these in advance and I get to think about what's this going to be like? What's Mark going to be like? You know, will he answer the questions? When, of course, I think you will. And listen, it, 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 it's often interesting that we take our first step with our guest talking about education. Now, you went to Youngstown State University, English history and speech. I'm not certain that you kind of saw yourself as a teacher of sales back then, or did you? What did you think you wanted to do with your life back at college? Well, first off, shout out to the fighting penguins. Nothing scares the enemy like an angry penguin. Uh, no but we're going to go, we're going to make the big dance this year, I hope. Uh, no, I had no idea I wanted to. I'd always loved sales. I'd been good in sales uh, ever since I was in Boy Scouts. But I wanted to go into law school, but uh, I was playing in bands and I was borderline to get into law school and I didn't want to give, I didn't want to, you know, do another three years of school. So uh, there was a three years, a couple of years that I spent selling copiers and I hated it and then was blessed to move into radio. Wait, wait, wait. All right. So I love you already that you hated selling copiers. And and if anybody gets to listen to this, it sells copiers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to go back to 
the Boy Scout thing, because that's really cool. You knew you were good at sales as a Boy Scout. Yeah, we used to have to sell these tickets for this ice cream social, you know, to raise money for the troop. And they put out this deal where whoever sold the most would get a free trip. And it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of easy. You went to the door, you explained why, you know, what the benefits were of attending this, you know, cake and ice cream social. And one day, just by happenstance, I came to a corner of Midlothian and Market Street, and I saw these businesses there, and I thought, wow, as opposed to going door to door, I wonder what would happen if I went inside these businesses. And I mean, within, you know, really, this is no joke, you know, within about four hours, I had sold hundreds of dollars worth of tickets, and these were like 25 cents a piece. Yeah, right. So I won, you know, I won the trip. Next year, I won a trip to the National Jamboree. And that's how I knew that I really enjoyed sales. In fact, even when I was in college, I sold shoes part-time at Tom McCann and always, you know, I mean, it was, it was fun for me. It was, it was fun to solve somebody's problem. And it was, it was some to see fun to see if I could get better at what I was doing to make my job easier. You know, you're so lucky. Uh, uh, we have people qualify for different things on our podcast. Some people are what I classify as champions. They had the championship experience in high school or college or whatever. You had an experience of understanding early something that you were gifted at. That's exciting. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, thank God for that. You don't always realize that because, you know, when I, there were times it was like, geez, I should have gone to law school, or, you know, uh, but I ended up marrying an attorney and my older son is an attorney. So law stayed in the family. My younger son is a game warden. So we have law and order in the family. That's but, so uh, nice. You know, yeah. To be able to be in an industry that you really enjoy being in for as many years as I had, because now it's almost 40 years. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, in October, it will be 40 years. Um, it's, it's a gift. It truly is a gift. Okay. So I want to get this right out there. Okay. I'm not talking about how long you've been a drummer or anything like that. I'm talking about a specific experience that I know how to classify under two names. Tell me about something called Misty slash Hollywood and 15 years as a drummer in those configurations. Okay. And again, that's, um, those were bands I put together. I, you know, I always wanted to play in a band when I was in Do high people school. know this about you, by the way, pardon me. Is this a known thing about you in your life today? People know that you were a drummer. Yeah. That is, yes, exactly. Yes. Many people. I mean, I wear the belt buckle all the time and, uh, you know, with a Slingerland 1970s, uh, single headed kid on the belt buckle. I even bought one from Paul Whalen because Paul saw the Bell Buckman liked it. So I bought him one too. Um, Yeah. Misty was a five piece band. Uh, I had, you know, I wanted, I played in a band. I wanted to run my own band. I had aspirations for leadership because it was always, I thought, felt if I led the band, I could get the band to play more often, make more money and do that kind of stuff. And it did. And so I had uh, Misty from, I think, 1973 through 1990 um, when I moved. But in the 80s, we added uh, horns, a full horn section, because Youngstown State University has one of the most renowned jazz programs in the United States. And so we added horns. We became Hollywood. And um, we had a couple of years ago, we had a a 31-year reunion. We had not played together in 31 years. We got back together and played, and it looks like we're going to do that again this year. We'll have a 35th reunion show where guys come from all over the country, back to Ohio, and we do the gig. And like I say, this is, I started playing in bands in 74, so 84, 94, 2004. Holy cow, I'm an old guy. I'm almost Well, no, wait years. a minute. Wait, there, there are also all these guys that were in, in these bands with you who went on to be session musicians and play yes. with really famous people, right? That's in, that's indeed true. I've, I've been blessed to play with really great guys. I, I didn't go because I was running broadcast properties, but I was so proud of them. And they're on so many great recordings and stuff. And it's, and they're just great guys, you know, and again, when you love radio, you know, you love music and the two of them fit really well together. At least for me, they did. Well, and, and listen, let's talk about radio. Can you, 
uh, share your first experience with the radio business. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I was selling copiers and I hated it. In fact, um, the vinyl straw was I was demonstrating a copier in a doctor's office. The hose broke on the copier and it was going all over his He Evidently, it shot a polar bear. I didn't know that was legal, but he did. And it was going all over his polar bear rug and he was going to sue me and everything else. And I hated the job. And a buddy of mine said, look, this station WQOD is looking for people. And I didn't even know who QOD was. I found it on the FM dial with the little mutual B-doop tones. And uh, I thought, well, man, this would be great. Uh, you know, I'm English major. I like to write. Uh, I love music. I'm going to go in here and make a shot at it. And they had about 50 resumes on their desk. Mine was the only one on blue paper. I do believe in standing out, yes. which is why I always wear my Jerry Garcia ties. And um, yeah, that's all you'll ever catch. The only ties I'll ever wear are Jerry Garcia ties. And, uh, and so I went in, interviewed, and I swear the only reason they hired me was because all these resumes were on the table and mine was on blue paper. And and I remember being in there saying, oh my gosh, I'm in radio. And thanks to Billy Joyce and uh, Vince Camp and Mike Mc, Mike McKay, those guys, for whatever reason, they looked after me and uh, allowed me to just really jumpstart the career. Did you love it right away? Did you were you good at selling radio right out of the gate? I was because I had a gimmick. Uh, I would walk into a place with a saxophone case, and in the saxophone case was a great big radio and they, people are curious you, know, you generally don't walk into a place with the saxophone case what's in there i pull a radio out turn it on and say thousands of people who would like to come by from you if you only give me a chance to invite them in and uh, i know that sounds hokey but if you know that's a great opener yeah it was it really really was all right. So, look, let's get into 1990. I'm going to kind of speed ahead, I think, a little bit. You became the general manager of WQXK. Am I understanding this right? Also, WRKQ and WSOM. Is that you did all that? Yes. RQK was added later when uh, we were the second test case in the Department of Justice when deciding how many stations you could own in the market. And we were owned by the Lincoln Group at the time and uh, uh, Jeff Warshaw's group, Connoisseur Communications, wanted to buy us. And they didn't know what to do with us because we threw a city grade coverage over two markets, Youngstown and Canton, Ohio. But we were in a TSA county that was common to both. So they didn't know what to do. When Jeff actually ended up, um, the deal went through, then he bought WRQK in Canton. So, yes, I ran all three stations. Because I had a wonderful team, they did, uh, they would challenge me a lot. They, you know, constant assessments. What if, could we, would it be possible? Have you thought about this? And they were brilliant. And because uh, they trusted me to listen, I trusted them to bring me ideas. And we had a tremendous run, a tremendous run. And, and did you have experience managing sales teams at that time? <laughs> well, yeah, but when they gave me the GM job that day, you know, uh, Larry Larry Patrick was kind enough to give me my first GM job. Was he bought QXK and then ended up selling it back? But um, everyone was so afraid of how bad I would ruin the station because I had the mentality of what they called sales pig, and that's not that's not kidding. Uh, the best operations director in the whole world, Chuck Nellis. Uh, traffic director, I think the office manager all came in the next day and they said, we quit. I said, what do you mean you quit? And they said, no, you're going to ruin the station. And so oh. I, I had 30 days to prove to them that I would not do that. And again, a lot of prayer about, okay, what do I do? And it was real simple. Bring them in, listen to what they thought we should do, understand that I didn't know what I didn't know, and take it from there. And you know, that's the problem with a lot of radio stations is the people that are on the front line, the, the people that are in, you know, in the safety of the office are trying to make decisions for the people on the front lines. There, I've said it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. No, you know, look, I think I think that <laughs> some of us might call that ready, fire, aim. You know, when you don't 
think process out and that does happen in our business i'm sure it happens in every business right it does it does it does we get too all right so busy so go ahead no i just said we get busy so we 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 try to speed up the process and sometimes that causes great grief and aggravation oh you know mark i think that's a huge deal the whole we're busy we're so busy we can't stop to train. We're so busy. We can't stop to have a process. We're so busy. We can't lay down strategy. These are major ready, fire, aim challenges, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So at the turn of the century, this is where things get even more interesting. You know, when you say at the turn of the century, it seems so dramatic. Um, yeah. You made an interesting change. You became the VP GSM of Radio Advertising Bureau. And at yes. the Radio Advertising Bureau, you, you became responsible for developing and teaching sales and management courses to thousands of broadcast sellers and managers in the U.S. and other places. What led this turn to the RAB? And what was that experience like to be teaching, I guess, every day? It was in, well, uh, I was recruited. I was recruited by Mike Mahone, who I'd worked for in the past. Uh, when Mike left to join the REB, that's when I became the general manager of WQXK. Um, and I, I wanted to go in there and just straight out train, but I the sales were not doing well. And they said, um, you've got to get the sales up. And I said, all right, if I get the sales up to where you need to be, then you're going to go let me train. And I made them sign off on it. And they figured it would take two years. And we had it. I was out training within, I think, seven months because we had the oh, sales wow. up where they needed to be. Uh, it was the most incredible experience because when I was growing up in the business, the RAB was where the best of the best went. Mike Mahone, George Hyde, Bud Steiker, um, Dick Rackerman, and, and I know I'm leaving a couple of people out. Um, these were people that were my heroes, my sales heroes. I mean, you know, I, I'd listen to them and I'd take what they said and I'd go out and here I am working with these people and they're starting to trust me. And it was just an incredible great time for seven years. And uh, yeah, I was going to say this. You were at the RAB for a long time doing this work. Uh, yes. What kept you at the RAB for so long? And what did you love about that work? What kept me there was the, and I, I know it's going to sound hokey, but I don't care. I had a purpose, you know. I knew how much of an influence the REB had been in my life and it allowed me to make a good living, have fun and learn. You know, I, I love to learn. And when I was there, you know, I was able to share that and, and I would see people and, you know, learning about features and benefits as, as base as that is, I would see their face light. I was like, oh my gosh, I get this. And I now understand why clients haven't been as interested in talking to me uh, as I wanted them to. And I see the difference. And it was, it was the, one of the most incredible experiences uh, I've ever had. And had I not had that experience, I would not have had the guts to walk in and say, I'm leaving because I'm going to do this on my own. And I did that because at the time, not now, not now, the REB is an incredible organization for local direct sellers, but it went kind of left to center there for a while. And it was trying to go after, you know, national business and that kind of stuff. And that's what, that's not the REB that I'd signed up for. So that's, that was my decision to leave. Well, I'm going to go back to this because you used one of our key words that we love. You know, we, we built this group, the encouragers uh, during the pandemic, and it all started from an app. We were doing these live and, and then thank God that, you know, Joe Kelly joined us and, and we always intended to go to a podcast form so we could be listened to on demand. Mm -hmm. One of our key things is purpose. I believe today purpose for sellers is powerful, critical, and important. I, I bet you agree with that. I do. I do. And, and I'm going to take that up one level. And if purpose for sellers is critically important, then purpose for shepherds. And I, I use the word shepherd as a person who has the best qualities of a leader and a manager. The purpose of the shepherd is to develop the people that report to them. Uh, I, when I teach this, I am always very careful about this is for you and anyone you are grooming to have others report to. Um, 
it's it's just kind of my way of saying, look, if you're going to be in a leadership position in a broadcast property, you may not make as much money as the top seller. Deal with it. Your joy, your goal, your purpose has to come from teaching people a skill set that they didn't have and watching them develop and maybe even being better at the job than you are. Oh, I love having this conversation with you. That word shepherd, uh, it's interesting that we've gone now purpose and shepherd. Uh, I always thought that, I don't know if you ever watched the the Fletch movies in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, my God. That moment in the, I think it was the first film, they said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a shepherd. And I was like, oh, I'm so jealous right now that I never thought to say that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a cool thing. But in true reality, people need a shepherd. That's really true. And that's really what those jobs are when they're done by somebody who's really an expert. They care about their employees and nurturing them and teaching them to fish, so to speak, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm mixing shepherd and fisherman. So I uh, that's okay. That's all right. So listen, when you did leave the RAB, you became res this. I thought this was so interesting on in your resume. You became the resident sales instructor at the NABEF's media sales Institute. Yeah. Uh, look here, you did more than only radio. You focused on curriculum for recent uh, college grads, who wanted to excel in broadcast sales, but you developed a 10-day course focused on selling TV, radio, cable, and digital. Yep. And it looks like you helped people connect with actual broadcast selling jobs. You, you connected them. What was that like, and how was it different than what you were doing at the RAB? Oh, that was so cool. Uh Generally, they were uh, held at uh, historically black universities, and I, mine was at uh, uh, FAMU, FAMU, and go rattlesnakes. And it was really cool. I had them in class for 10 days, and I did build a curriculum, and we did the program down there, I think, for three years. And then we did a pilot program for just um, two and a half days for juniors, which was which is really cool, too. But again, it was... It was taking them through, you know, the, the processes of what we needed to do to be a salesperson and actually then bringing in some guest speakers. Um, one of the most important speakers we had was everything about etiquette and manners, a soft skill, which is sometimes forgotten about in our business. And oh, yeah. the kids would, the, the students, I won't call them kids, the, uh, they would actually we we find you know some clients bring them in and they would do customer needs analysis on the clients based on we do the class first and they knew what to you know how to ask the questions and and the order to ask them and then they'd actually put together real presentations real life presentations to present to the clients with media people sitting in the audience to kind of grade them and many of them were offered jobs you know on the spot the next day when we had our recruiting process, they got a chance to meet people from different stations, different parts of the country. And it was, uh, it was extremely gratifying. And I even stay in touch with some of these people now, unfortunately, some of them were in the media business and, uh, and left it because they were not being shepherded or even mentored at all. Right. I hope everyone can hear that. Whether you're hearing this uh, when we first launch it, or you're hearing it in our archive. We have so many people who talk to us, our clients talk to us about recruiting challenges, how difficult recruiting is. You are talking about innovative ways to figure out who's a seller, who's not a seller, who mm -hmm. can pick up on things pretty rapidly. These are great things that it only takes a little bit for you to go, oh, wait, I can do that in my radio station. So listen, did these moves to, to the RAB for so long with so much teaching and then your role at the Media Sales Institute, did these things really change what you wanted to do with your life? Well, let's let's just to make sure the the NAB hired my company, Revenue Development Resources. Uh, they hired me to do this. And no, it did not change it. It just made it all the more important to me to be able to, um, you know, I never, I never want to be a has-been. 
Lloyd, that's the thing that scares me more so than anything else. So as somebody who has been blessed to be able to do what they want to do, which is train people to do, be better at what they do. It just, it just lit the fire to say, okay, man, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Um, Where do you broaden your horizon? Uh, I saw that very few people really knew how to go get political advertising dollars. So I do a lot of work with stations and companies, you know, on political advertising sales. I do a lot of work uh, as, as they tell people the best training and you know this because you're a consultant too. The best training out there not only teaches you something new, but for our veterans, sometimes it helps them be reminded of some of the things they used to do when people looked at them and said, wow, that, that was a really, really great salesperson. And it just, you know, it's all it did was want me to, to be able to do it better so that no one would ever say, you know, we brought Levy in before and uh, this time he's lost a step. I, uh, no, never. Well, listen, you're like me. You're always sharpening the leading edge of what's going on. It's so easy to fall into, you know, I mean, people always say, oh, I never want to say this is the way we've always done it. But that honestly is as human beings, that's easy to fall into. Let's, let's break down some challenges. Okay. Um, what do you think we as humans and as radio managers miss when building a process for effective recruitment of sellers? Kind of a big question today. Yeah, and you know, the first thing I will talk about is what we miss is what's important to people. And you know, we talk about compensation and we lie. You know, it's a job that can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, yeah, it can if you have some ex- expertise and experience, uh, you know, but it's not going to pay that kind of money in the start. And, and there are companies out there that say, well, you know, things are tough. We're, we're going to cut commissions. No. Uh, okay, you're going to cut commission. What are you going to cut the top line? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But what are you going to cut the top line, you know, the Grand Pubas, uh business if anything increase the commissions because it's harder to sell there's more there are more media choices out there than there ever have been before so what is it that's really important to an individual is it the freedom of this business is it to be able to be to learn things because i don't think we stress enough the wonder of what we can learn in this business I, i don't remember the last time i paid full price for anything because i know you know, uh, if something's keystone, I know what the gross profit is on it. Um, well, and look, not only that, but we these things are highly transferable too. Yes. Yeah. So understanding, you know, and also I think too, Lloyd, one of the things that bothers me a lot is we think everybody is driven by the same thing in this business and it's money, money, money. Well, it's not. Some people are driven by awards. Some people are driven by the growth of relationships. Some people are driven by a sense of security or purpose. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't take time to learn about that because we're too busy. We're, we, we are active. We we do activity as opposed to productivity. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're saying the people that are training in some case, not all, of course, please understand that we're not talking about everybody in this industry because you can't really do that. But There are many cases when people in our industry who are responsible for getting or or recruiting new sellers are maybe lying about how much you can make, maybe not listening, maybe not doing a good job of doing all the things that they want their sellers when they hire them to do. Yes. You know, you had two of my very good friends on. Yeah, Mark Bass a couple of weeks ago, and I had yes. the pleasure. I worked with Mark Bass for almost, I think, three or four years. Yeah, Chris Fleming, and I've worked with Chris on numerous occasions. These people put their people first. And you know what? Yes. And because they understand the balance of the team, they're not afraid to bring the team in on an interview. They're not afraid to have the salesperson, prospective salesperson, go out and, and spend a day in the car finding out how will that person get a day off to go ride with the salespeople? Cause if they'll lie, well, I'm going to call in sick. You know, that's a red flag. That's someone that's going to, if, if they'll lie to their old boss, they're probably going to lie to the new boss. You know, So, it. Um, yeah, it, it's putting the people first and enjoying it. And, and those By the two way, guys, 
They have a great by time. The, yeah. By the way, Chris, you have a hard time with Chris. Chris will talk about everybody but Chris. Yeah. He will talk about everybody else. It's amazing to have a conversation with him about sellers and other because yeah. he just talks about all of them. So yeah. listen, here is something that if you were a consultant, no, I I call myself, I don't use that word anymore. I use the word multiplier for a couple of different mm-hmm. reasons. But but if you've been hanging out in this business, you know things in this business, why do you think it is difficult? For people to invest in training. Now, I, I, look, it's clear that they are better trained. And, uh, you know, the better trained, the better educated your sellers are, the better opportunity they have for helping advertisers and the more likely they are to grow revenue month after month after month. Why do we have so much challenge going, okay, training is really important. Okay, this is Mark Levy's opinion. Okay, um, I think some people at the station level are afraid to try to train for fear that some of their own inadequacies will adequacies will come out. Um, I think sometimes too, it's the old, you know, I'm going to hang on. We've always done it this way, and and um, you know, if, if if they'll do it my way, without a, a willingness to adapt. Now, I don't like the word change because I think if you look up scary words in the dictionary, change is number one or number two. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow, Lord. We're going to talk about some changes around here. And you go home and you feel, but if I use the word grow, Lloyd, tomorrow we're going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about some ways to grow. And there are people that don't like to grow. I mean, I still see polyester and beehive hairdos. Um, But there are fewer people that are afraid to grow. I hear this all the time. What, what if I train them and they leave? Well, what if you don't train them and they stay? Right. We we don't value the the we don't value the input of salespeople near as much as we used to, and that's evident because is a the top seller in the in the market. You know, the number one seller is dis, in many cases disappointed that he hasn't been asked to be a manager or a leader when he he or she may not have the skill sets to do that. But they're tremendous. And you know what? If the sales don't happen, nothing else is going to happen. Right. So I think we, I think we, uh, radio does not have the cachet that it once did, you know, for people to want to be in the business. We don't compensate people financially as well as we do enterprise rent a car. And you talk about a wonderful training program. Oh, very. Um, oh, yeah. They've got a great, they're great they at that. Yes. They do. So why don't we train? I, I think we're scared to. I think we're afraid to. And I think I think there's also this. Uh, if we train them, they're going to go and they're going to get picked off by somebody else. Well, why would they be picked off by somebody else? Larger market, more money, more whatever. Well, what can we do internally? What can we do internally to keep the people that we have happy and make them never want to leave? Well, and Mark, you know, one way to do that, I hate to keep bringing up the word purpose, but there are other things people are motivated by. They're not motivated by the same things. Oh, wait, you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're on yeah. the same page here. You know that, right? How about that? Yeah. So listen, I'm going to shift on you a little bit because that's my, I, I can do that. It's my show. It's uh, your show. What do you think sales managers and sellers miss about inventory management? Everything. I mean, I've been, oh. I was the second Second uh, radio station in the country to ever use MaxiGrid. And I was so fascinated with yield management pricing that I actually applied to go to work for American Airlines because it does fascinate me. And in fact, mm-hmm. I'm working with some stations now. They don't realize that a dollar, let's say that you run just 12 units an hour, Monday through Sunday, 24-7. If we got a dollar more per commercial, because that's 2016 sellable units a week, including anything that runs, you know, Nothing over, you know, in that third shift, midnight to 6 a.m., everything. If you got a dollar, just a dollar more for everything that ran and put a dollar on anything that was potentially could run, 2016 sellable units over the course of a year, that's over $104,000, okay? And we are afraid. We are afraid to raise our rates up. We were afraid to move our rates down. 
um, in certain areas. We focus on the wrong thing. We focus on average unit rate, which is not a valid unit of measurement. The only true you know, unit of measurement is RevPad, revenue per available ad. We don't want to take the time to figure out the math on this. It's very simple. I do a lot of this with stations. And um, if you ever, of all the things that I've ever been involved in, and I've been involved in many things to help broadcasters and media companies of all types grow their revenue, nothing, I repeat, nothing has ever been more effective than stations truly getting their arms around inventory management and pricing. I'm off the soapbox now. Oh, man, we needed to hear it, and I wanted to make sure it was included. Listen, uh, I, you want to get the hard questions for me, and I just, I'm almost sorry, Mark, almost, but not because there's such good answers. Uh, do you find younger sellers are more difficult to find now? No. Um, man, this is okay. Let me phrase this carefully so my car doesn't blow up when I started. <laughs> I find people that are looking for for careers harder to find, and this isn't just in radio. This is, you know, a, a friend of mine runs television stations, and a guy went to work for four days and then didn't come to work, and no one knew why. They had to do a safety check on him. He was home playing video games. Okay, and this was a good TV gig, a good TV paying gig, and he was a good trainer, um, good good leader. I just think sometimes that, you know, we, I love Westerns, Lloyd. I love yeah. Westerns because you know what? The guys in the white hats always win. And know who the bad guys are. And I think we've had such a, you know, a graying down of the good guys versus bad guys. I don't necessarily know that there is still the work ethic that old guys, and I'm an old guy, I'm 64, um, have. But if you want to be good at anything, I don't, you know, musically uh sports business it's not an eight to five kind of thing and there 10, are thousand still, hours yeah there are still you know remember the book uh atlas shrugged who is mm -hmm. you know where is john galt john galt is still out there we it's, it's harder to find but you know put the effort in to find good young sellers explain to them what what is this you know young sellers a lot of times they're driven more by purpose, as you've said it several times, than money. Yes. Um, yes. And so show them. Show them about the charitable things the stations do and how to monetize them. Well, well like, listen, it's yeah, it's not just that. It's also purposeful when you help influence what's going to happen to a local business. Ah, going from influence to impact. That's the name of our that's our training program name, influence to impact. Nice. And like yeah, but you have to share them. And you know what? It doesn't, it, Lloyd, it doesn't help when you go into the station and they've got all the old radios from the 30s, 40s, and 50s and people, you know, people dressing like they're not successful. I'm sorry, but you go in there and you see these guys, you know, and these women and uh, they're dressed like, you know, they're dressed like, yeah. No, you know, why was radio so great when I was younger? I don't know. And television too, because there was a certain savoir-faire, there was a certain cachet. And we've lost that. And I don't think we're ever going to get that back. And because of that, I think we're leaving a lot of money on the table that goes to digital. Oh, I hate to just, I'm going to insert this here just because I have a big mouth. It's up to us if we get that back. Yeah, it's up it to is. us. Yep. We are responsible. So I'm I'm going to shift on you again, but this is not an easier question. Do you still see resistance for digital inside the broadcast industry with local sellers and others? Yes, uh, I do. And I think it's fear, you know, it's yes. fear. And it's also, it's also tired. You know, years ago, you could probably get an appointment with somebody three tries and now it's eight. And, yes. and now Jim Tazrak, you know, was a great, friend of mine and, and Jim passed away years ago. And I remember Jim and I having a conversation one night and Jim said, Levy, you know what the world's problems are? And I said, no, but you're going to tell me. And he said, you're right. He goes, we got a target for digital. We got a target for the small station. We got a target for the big dogs. We got all these targets. He goes, you know what the really important target is? And I looked at him and we said at the same time, 
the target. What's the target? What's the net sales target? You go to pay your mortgage at the bank and you do three or four different things. You know, they don't ask you, where does the money come from? They just say, bring the money in. And right. so one of the things we could do, I think, to re, you know, is help everyone see that, you know, digital is important. People use it. Now, I love Mark Bass the other day talking about he they do very little. They do radio really, really well. Yes. And, if you didn't listen to that episode, oh, that is very interesting. He had some interesting observations. He did. But I have a good friend of mine, one of the greatest broadcasters that I know is in Muncie, Indiana, and Lima, Ohio, named Jay Chapman. And Jay Chapman's team has integrated broadcast and digital. It's a thing of beauty because they're yes. all about what does a client need and they understand the client needs enough to make valid recommendations. And sometimes it's all digital, sometimes it's all radio, and sometimes it's a combination of both, depending upon what the client wants to have happen. And that's the sign of a good listening, active listener salesperson right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Mark, I love this. Revenue Development Resources was founded to help broadcasters generate incremental annual revenues by showing local advertisers how to brand their business, create top of mind awareness, and sell their products and services by engaging in, get this, aggressive, creative, consistent, long-term advertising programs. I know this sounds familiar to you. By the way, you've been doing this over 12 years with radio, TV, newspaper, and even <laughs> retail businesses. How yep. do you identify success in this role today for you? Um, they, they bring you in and they ask you to come back. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm serious. That's it. You know, Lloyd, if I don't say this one thing, I'm going to really regret this. And and you're the kind of guy that would understand this. If anybody's listening here and you're talking about your audience, please don't. Nobody cares about your audience. But what your prospects and clients will care about are your uh, potential buyers of goods and services. That's made a huge difference, you know, since we're trying to enlighten people and lift them up. Quit yes. talking about your audience. That's about you. Talk about potential buyers of goods and services. Talk about something your advertisers would care about. So, okay, sorry, but I, I wrote that. Uh, you know down. what? No, I love that. That is a that is a moment in which you are identifying a language change that is powerful because it's not about us. No, no, it's not. In fact, we actually have a many folks bring us in for our you know. Uh, ending station speak <laughs> seminars that we do because we get all wrapped up in talking about us and nobody gives a rats behind. Maybe Spider-Man does, but nobody else. He's talking about my dog. In case you don't know, I have a very fabulous dog named Spider-Man who I will go on record as saying is the best salesperson I've ever <laughs> met in my life. He is a closer. He is yeah. a closer. He is always closing. I've never seen anything like it. I'm awed by it. If I knew anything at all about how to pick up things for him, which I try to do all the time, I would be a phenomenal salesperson. Listen, if Mark, if you were going to build a local radio sales team today, right now, from the ground up, what might those steps look like? Okay. I'm looking for people that are... Um, curious yes i'm looking for people chris fleming said it so well i you know i, I and chris and i steal from each other but I, I told him i said i'm stealing this one and i will always give you credit um people that listen to hear and not to respond yes and i would also be looking for people that have energy and some for some it might be kinetic for some it might be internal but I'm looking for people who are willing to do what everyone else won't do as a standard of, uh, it's just the standard, not the standard of excellence. Um, I'm looking for people who won't chase perfection because you can never touch perfect. You can't catch perfection. You cannot be perfect. Uh, I am looking for people who love the standard of excellence. You know, you talked about me being a jockey. 
Secretariat is known as the greatest racehorse that ever lived, um, set track records that I don't think will ever be broken. He was not perfect. He did not win every single race. And even if he did, he could have won them, you know, by being faster. Uh, perfection is a myth. Let's quit chasing perfection. Let's chase excellence. I'm looking for those people that would do that. If they will do that, um, they're trainable. They don't have to yes. know a doggone thing about radio or digital or whatever. I didn't know anything about it. Some people say, Levy, you still don't. Uh, but, you know, you learn. You, you learn. Now, I would look for a management team that has the has patience, good listeners, and can, and can give clear-cut, not vague, but clear-cut instructions and pathways so mm. that people, people can know where to go to get to grandma's house safely so they don't get off the path and eaten by the big bad rabbit on steroids. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. So now I get to ask you the really big question. This is the big frightening question. I always let our listeners or our guests off the hook. Okay. All right. Because nobody, I don't care who it is. Nobody knows the future. You meet somebody who tells you they know the future. You know that they are a liar. But I'm going to ask you, of course, how do you see the future of radio, Mark? Well, okay. Um, one of the things I loved about broadcasting was always is it was always an American-owned entity, correct? Yes. Okay. I see that slipping away. And if you read the trades, you saw what happened. You know, now I, I haven't seen it become finalized, but that scares me. Uh, I look at what's gone over in Europe, and in many cases, let's see, I can't remember if it was Sweden or Denmark. Uh, uh, or Finland, but in one of those countries, FM doesn't exist anymore. Everything is all digital. Right. I, Mike McVeigh, I count Mike McVeigh as a very good friend of mine. He was my consultant. He was my programming consultant for years. And Mike, super and, and smart. People, yeah, he is. And people like you, you know, we all say the same thing. If we put out compelling um, entertainment news information, can we get keep people back? I think we can. We just have to realize they're not going to be sitting there by the FM radio. When I was at the REB, we used to brag. Most people have five radios in the house. I'm a throwback. I have one, and a lot of my friends don't have any. But I won't get rid of my Bose 321 system. Thank you very much. Um, so am I concerned about radio as radio? Yes. Am I concerned about audio? Not near as much. There are more opportunities can we monetize it you know these you know everyone's talking about how much money's going into podcasting and i like that that's fine but you have to be careful when people say well you know it's it's up 95 percent over last year well if you put a dollar in it last year now it's two dollars okay there you go right but i come back to people who focus on being good at something i mean really focus on being good rain wayne shorter just died great saxophonist he was a great saxophonist. He also played piano, but he was, you know, he wasn't known as being a piano player. He was known as being a sax player. When radio wants to be known as being radio and going back and promoting itself and giving away some prizes so that people who are, have the potential to buy goods and service, goods and services tune in and listen longer, the better to hear commercials so that they will act upon these commercials and buy the goods and services that people are advertising radio may make a comeback. I think it is up to us, Mark. It is. It is. Uh, as Mike McVeigh often says, and I agree with, uh, it's, it's, it's up to us to create compelling content all the yep. time because mm -hmm. we are in the age of distraction. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we're a distracting business, so we should get busy, yep. right? Mark, I want to thank you for being our guest today. Oh, thank you for having me. You have been incredible. And, uh, you know, I could probably do another hour with you, to be frank, with just going from subject to subject in sales, because it's not surprising to me that one of your friends is uh, 
somebody that you and I both know, uh, which is, of course, Mr. Fleming. You know, he and I do a quarterly uh, podcast event just for sales that we do yeah. once a quarter that's all about increasing the opportunity for local sellers. And uh, one of his greatest things that he says is that he is platform agnostic. I know you've heard him say this. You know, I feel like you're this way too, that you understand and love purpose. You love process. You love strategy. And you also enjoy people, which I think all these things are essential in the area of sales, right? Don't forget pizza. I mean, you know, and hey, the next time pizza. you have this with Fleming going on, you 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 tell Chris, say, hey, look, Levy says if if it was a three way, it would be even more fun. Nice. Uh, April 6th is when we're doing that. Listen, get free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside our free blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We are here literally to encourage radio pros at all levels. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, do it the easy way. Email me, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope you have a great week like we always say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. And Mark, if you've not heard me say this, I love saying this. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. I can prove it again and again and again. You can prove it in the sales department. You can prove it in the programming department. It is what radio is. We want to thank our special guest for this podcast, Mark Levy. He's the CEO of Revenue Development Resources. This dude trains killer salespeople. I want to thank him for being our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available in minutes or sooner. And of course, thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and radio. Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything from this podcast event, please remember, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night. <laughs>